here's your host, Evan Shepard. Hello, everyone, and I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Race Rat Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about growth versus value stocks, what the difference is, who they are for, and how you can decide if it's the best uh, type of stock for you in your own financial portfolios. But before we get into this episode, I just want to say to everybody that is new to the podcast, welcome. On this podcast, we basically talk about how you can take the money that you're earning from a job or a business, invest it into the stock market, and be able to create a better future for yourself, uh, regardless of what age you are. Typically, about 50% of my audience is young adults, and that's ideally who I'm talking to, because obviously, the more time that you have in the market, uh, the bigger difference that it's going to make. Um, but you know, if you are somebody who is older and listening to this podcast, it doesn't mean that you're left out of the loop. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it or that it's impossible. It's just going to be harder because you're going to have to contribute more per month than somebody who is my age, like 20 to 25 years old. Um, so anyways, I would really appreciate it if you guys, um, if you do like the episode, if you could leave a five-star rating and an awesome review, something you really liked about one of the episodes. Um, that's what really helps our um podcast grow and that's what really helps get all of this information out here and I feel like that's my sort of fee um, I don't try to sell a stupid course I don't try to uh, you know I don't I, I don't sell anything I, I try to give this podcast out because I really believe that it's important especially that in the times that we're in right now that you just try to give as much as you can and um, you know especially because there's just a lot of opportunity um, that a lot of people can have if they can really understand some of the information in this podcast. And I want to be a person that has that sort of impact. And maybe in 10 years down the line, when I decide that I want to start my own financial planning firm or something like that, and you want to become a client of mine, then maybe we'll bring that up then. Um, but in the meantime, we're just going to be talking in this episode about growth versus value stocks the difference between them, who they're best suited for, and that's basically why uh, you should or should stay away from them. Um, so the first thing I have to point out is that we're in a really, really different market time, right? The The stock market is, is totally disconnected from the current state of things. Um, economically throughout the world, right? The world is in a, is in a recession. You have um, many, many small businesses that are threatening um, or are on the brink of bankruptcy, um, if not haven't gone under already. You have, um, you know, millions of people out of the workforce, really high unemployment rates, um, and you have st the stock market at all-time highs, right? So you can tell that um, it's not an accurate reflection of the economy. It could be somewhat of an accurate reflection of uh, big business, right? Because a lot of these big businesses, Amazon, Walmart, Target, Apple, Google, all of these companies, Facebook, are benefiting from this the uh, pandemic and the lockdowns that are going on. So it's really important that we first establish that the stock market is not behaving as, as if it is reflecting the real economy. Um, but that's also not an excuse. You hear a lot of people that try to use that as a justification to go short on the market, whatever it might be. Sure, the market um, is not necessarily reflecting the current standard, but it might be reflecting the standard that we have two years from now. Um, I don't know how forward-looking the market is. I don't try to predict the market. Um, all I know is that the market 
has generated an average of 10% returns uh, between World War One, World War II, the Cold War, uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, Vietnam, and, uh, you know, the Spanish flu pandemic and everything in between. So I really choose not to try to time the market or assume that this is the end of the market or whatever you might be because there's been a lot of situations similar to what's going on now about once a decade. Uh, 9-11 was another one um, to where, you know, you think it might be the end all be all for the market and it just continues to do its thing. And that's what I do. I never go on the short side. Um, I basically try to uh, find the best, um, you know, index ETFs or individual companies um, that I feel are trading for an appropriate price or even an undervalued price. Um, I look for companies that I think are important and that have a need in the world. And I go from there. And I don't really try to judge, uh, you know, during the market crash in February, I didn't do anything. Um, and obviously I'm reaping the rewards right now. And that was my first market crash because I'm 20 years old. So, so being able to stomach, you know, given it was the, probably the quickest bear market of all time. Um, but being able to stomach seeing my portfolio down like 35%, um, and, and now seeing it, um, you know, at all time highs is, is a great feeling. Um, but when it comes to, the results after this this whole pandemic, after the market crash, um, it's fair to say that we are seeing some companies trade at an almost unheard of evaluation, okay, um, by typical means. So typically, the uh, standard that a lot of people are able to look at growth or value stocks is uh, number one, their earnings, and their second, their price to earnings ratio. So a lot of people like to focus on price to earnings ratio. I really don't. Um, I, I think it's kind of a useless metric. Not useless, but I think it misses a big chunk of um, of growth, right? Like you can say that uh, a stock may be trading at a really high valuation, but if the company has a lot of potential and it's growing really fast, um, then it might not be so much of an expensive valuation down the line. So that's why I don't really like PE ratios. You'll hear a lot of people if you start watching videos on YouTube that try to, you know, here's how you get invested in the stock market sort of thing. Um, you know, they're going to talk a lot about the basic stuff. PE ratios. Uh, whenever I hear somebody talk about PE ratios or indicators like RSI and MACD, uh, it's a red flag that they really don't know what they're talking about. Um, and I think that PE ratios are something that you can look at, but they're not something that determines, um, you know, whether a stock is over undervalued or if it's going up or down. Uh, case in point, this market right now, I think Peloton, typically the um, the average PE ratio is between 15 and 25. Uh, I think the S&P 500 is currently trading at about a 28, and you have companies like Peloton trading at 1500. I think Zoom is trading at 100 something plus. I think you have Tesla's trading at like 800 or 900, Shopify's trading at like 1,000. Um, you know, all of these that have basically blown the average range of a price to earnings ratio out of the water. And so it's really important to recognize and understand why um, that has happened. And if it's something, if it's a warning sign, or if it's something that is actually changed behind the fundamentals of the market. So uh, something I want to point out and something that I've mentioned in my previous episodes is that this market right now is very, very controlled by the Federal Reserve. Okay, this is the Central Bank of America. This is the one that is granting all this, uh, you know, all the stimulus money that is buying the treasury bonds, um, that is buying the co corporate bonds of a lot of these larger companies uh, in order to ensure them 
Um, and, and they were the ones that basically are pumping billions of dollars into the market uh, every single month to ensure that it's functioning, quote unquote, properly. Um, I've said of this in previous episodes, um, and I'll say it again. Uh, I think we're kind of beyond the point of return to where um, a, a market functions properly. We've had uh, the big market crash in 2009, and we've had another one in 2020 where the overall ending of that market crash was when the Federal Reserve decided to intervene and shoot a monetary bazooka in there. So it's clear that the market was somewhat inefficient, that it should have been you know, a 50, 60, 70% drawdown. Um, given the current state of the economy, but when you have the Federal Reserve come in and intervene, um, you know, I'm not going to be one to tell you that the Fed is evil or, or that, um, you know, it's the greatest thing to ever happen to the market because, you know, it just forces things up. Um, you know, at the end of the day, my only focus is trying to get the best rate of return that I can. Um, granted that I have about, you know, 40 years until that uh, retirement age, I'm not really concerned about the Fed right now or what they do. I'm concerned about just making sure that the things that I'm buying are going to continue to do well, um, the underlying businesses, and I'm going to focus on, um, you know, if I do decide to pick up an individual company, why I think they are special and why the um, financials say that they're special as well. But the difference is you have these huge P.E. ratios. You have the Fed coming in and printing and pumping in a bunch of money to the market, and you have these crazy high valuations. So what's going on here? Well, we're seeing a huge, huge, huge uh, difference in growth in value stocks. So a growth stock, um, this is typically classified as a stock that might um, year over year, so growth um, is is in relation, pretty much focusing usually on profit. If it's a subscription company like Netflix or Spotify or Disney Plus, those numbers could influence things, uh, influence things. But typically, we're talking about profits here, okay? And and some of the best companies in the world, like Apple, Google, Amazon, you're gonna see these companies that are growing profits between ten and thirty percent a year, okay? Amazon is doing huge numbers right now because. Um, they're growing their earnings really quickly. That's why we've seen the value of Amazon up, you know, 70-something percent this year. Uh, Apple has been consistently growing their earnings, Google as well. I mean, these are some of the top companies in the world. So typically, if you're looking at a company, you want to try to find something in the ballpark between 10 and 25%. That's going to be a sustainable number, and that's going to be one of those quote-unquote blue-chip companies, Okay. A growth stock is going to be a usually a smaller cap stock. A new company came out with a disruptive product or something along the lines of that, and they are growing their earnings larger than 25% a year. This could be uh, 30%, this could be 50% a year, this could be 60% a year. It really depends on the company. These growth stocks are the ones that you are seeing fly off the handles right now. And these can be really great for traders and horrible for investors in my opinion. Uh, why? Because we're in a special circumstance right now. Some companies right now, like Walmart and Amazon and Target, are are benefiting from small businesses closing down, uh, where you have um, other companies that are struggling uh, with that, right? Oil, ExxonMobil struggling. Um, you know, I can think of a bunch of other retail things. Ulta is probably struggling. Lululemon probably struggling a bit. A lot of those companies that have those brick and mortar type of, of businesses are going to be in more trouble. And so I think it's really important because 
we're seeing a kind of a growth stock mania. Uh, you have a lot of people that are investing in high beta stocks. So a uh, uh, beta is basically the Greek that measures the volatility in relation to the S&P 500 or the overall market. Um, so a one beta would be that, uh, you know, a specific stock moves at the same um moves at the same volatility as the overall market. Um, anything under one moves less than the overall market. Anything over one moves more than the overall market in regards to volatility. And you're seeing a lot of these companies like Tesla, Neo, um, what's a Peloton, um, Palantir. All of these companies have have incredible, incredible volatility behind them. And so there's a there's a big mix up right now between investing and trading. Um, if you've noticed, if you've turned on a television set within the last six months, you would notice that all the brokerage advertisements for TD Ameritrade and Charles Schwab and Fidelity and eToro and all these other things. Um, did you notice how they, they pulled this idea of investing out of their commercials? Uh, they all say this is the platform for traders, for traders, for traders, for traders, right? And this is because we have these stocks that are doing crazy, crazy returns in short periods of time that make the stock market look like a cryptocurrency. And so you have a lot of people that are seeing these stocks grow very, very fast because they put up some numbers like 30 or 40% growth year over year. Uh, I think you have some sort of um, definitely overvaluation in certain sectors. I think uh, electric vehicles is definitely one of them. Um, and I think uh, probably in big data, you can see a little bit of that e-commerce, a little bit of that. Um, but you have these companies that are trading for ridiculous valuations just because they move so volatile. So you have people, inexperienced people that want to get in on it. They enter the market and they decide they want to, quote unquote, invest in these high growth companies because they think it's going to be sustainable. They think that Tesla is going to continue to go up as rapidly as it has been in the last year for the remainder of time. They think that Tesla is going to continue, uh, you know, onto a $10,000 and $100,000 a share type of stock. And, um, you know, it's really important. You know, it definitely could. I, I'm not one to sit here and try to predict that sort of thing. I think it's kind of foolish to think that, uh, especially when, um, the numbers from Tesla don't reflect that. But you have a lot of people that are entering the market thinking that investing is buying these companies that go up a lot very quickly, um, where that is not investing, okay? That is speculating. And and this type of volatility is awesome for people that trade the markets, right? If you're trading the markets and you have this really high volatility, it's going to help you magnify uh, your wins and losses. And if you're a successful trader, then it's going to be beneficial for you. And if you're an unsuccessful trader, then it's probably going to harm you in one way or another. But if we're talking about investing here, serious long-term investing, no Wall Street bets, no uh, no heavily into options trading, no uh, you know crazy, crazy margin, whatever you want to call it, like straight up, we're talking, this is for you know a long-term portfolio for retirement. Um, these are companies that I, I think a lot of people have to be very skeptical of because this stuff is not going to be sustainable. And that's the thing about growth companies, right? And this is the reason that a lot of people lose a lot of money in the markets is because 
Number one, they don't want to invest in something unless the price reflects some sort of value, right? Nobody wanted to buy NEO stock when it was trading at $4 a share. All of a sudden, NEO's trading at, you know, $50 a share and everybody believes in the company all of a sudden, right? So people only, and, and also people see that NEO went from, you know, four to, to almost $60 in like six months, right? So people think, okay, this has gone up a crazy amount. There's no way that it's going to stop now. I got to get in while I can, right? And so you have people that think they are quote unquote investing by buying these high growth companies and thinking that they're going to continue to grow at that level sustainably. And that's not the case. High growth stocks are designed for people that trade, right? We're talking people that might be in that position for anywhere from days to weeks to a couple years, okay? They want to capitalize on the new market growth of that company and they want to capitalize on the price appreciation as a result of the growth of that company now when it comes to value stocks these are companies that are not growing at a rate that a lot of these uh, growth stocks are but they are growing at a sustainable rate and they are continuing to be profitable okay so what you're going to find and you'll you, you see this all the time on like cnbc and, and jim kramer and all those idiots um that basically, you know, are talking, you know, they have a reason for why the market went down 100 points that day. And and they also have the exact opposite reason that the market went up 100 days for not 100 days, 100 points that day. Uh, when the market goes down 100 points in like a couple hours, uh, you'll hear them talking, oh, this there the market's worried about the vaccine not coming out. And then the next day, the market's green. It's like, oh, the market rallied on vaccine optimism. And all this just like, you know, dumb rationality behind why the market is moving. The, you know, the, the, the bottom line is that there's just when the market goes down, there's more sellers than buyers. And when it goes up, there's more buyers and sellers. That's all there really is to it. But when you look at these value companies, okay, these are blue chip stocks. These are companies that have built a sustainable business model that have um, a high market capitalization. Uh, market capitalization is kind of like a... Uh, not a real kind of number thing. It's just kind of a formula. Um, but but basically, when you see a company that has a high market capitalization, you can assume that this is a large company, basically. So these larger companies are not growing at really high rates because they've already scaled their company to the size that they need to be. And since they've scaled their companies already, then their goal is to maintain profitability, right? They want to grow their earnings steadily at a pace that will be consistent and that will allow them to grow their profits, grow their revenue, but not do it at, um, you know, a ridiculous rate. Their focus more is on surviving and growing their business steadily rather than trying to grow their business and scale very rapidly. And that's the main difference between a growth and a value stock. So a growth stock, uh, like I mentioned, this would be something like Palantir, Neo, uh, Zoom, uh, all those companies that went up really, really fast because, uh, number one, you had a lot of people who were buying it, um, but also a lot of people that were buying it because their revenue or their profit um, or their number of subscribers or users were also growing at a really rapid rate. Um, so these growth companies are going to be trading at really, really high valuations that are probably a horrible idea for people that are looking to invest for the long term, okay? And I could be very wrong, and, and Tesla might be the next Apple of this generation. I have no idea. It very well could be. All I know is that when I look at Tesla and I look at the valuation that it's at, it tells me to run from it and that I should not buy it until it becomes to an attractive valuation. 
So this is the main difference, right? We, we've already discussed that with growth stocks, you have companies that are growing their, their profits at higher rates than those of value stocks. So growth companies are usually higher than 25% growth in profit year over year. Value companies, you're going to see something between 10 and 30% a year, usually between 10 and 20. And then um, the ones that are more dividend paying stocks, um, you're going to see those probably growing uh, between 10 and 5% a year, 5 to 10% a year. Uh, the ones that are just, um, you know, establish themselves and are trying to, uh, you know, survive in the market and, and keep up with their profit. But when it comes to valuation, I, I mentioned in this episode a little bit earlier about PE ratios um, and how I think they're a little bit useless. And the reason for that is because a PE ratio stands for the price to earnings ratio, right? So uh, basically what you're saying here is if a company is trading at $100, but for every share of that company, they generate a dollar profit, then it's generate, then you're looking at a PE ratio of 100, right? Because for every $100, you're, you're basically paying $100 for $1 in profit per share, right? So that's a PE ratio of 100. Um, as I mentioned, typical market valuations are between 15 and 25 PE ratios. But you see companies like Peloton, you see companies like Shopify, um, you know that are trading over a thousand, which is which is a ridiculous number, um, but they were really high growth companies, right? Um, so I don't think a PE ratio is is a good metric to judge whether the value of whether a company is over or undervalued right now, because we obviously can tell right now if the the, the S and P five hundred is trading at like a twenty seven or a twenty eight PE ratio. Now, in typical terms, I would tell people, hey, that's overvalued. We need to go short the market or whatever it might be. But we're also living in a time right now where the U.S. dollar is expected to decline 20% in the next year. We've printed $7 trillion and interest rates are basically zero, which means money is basically free to borrow um, for uh, you know high net worth individuals. So when you're in a time where, where money is almost free to borrow, then it's going to push asset prices up, right? And then once interest rates kick in and um you know what if when interest rates are ever raised if they are ever raised again um you know that's when you're going to see more typical valuations but when money is free people want to put things they want to put their money in things that are going to make them more of it um so that's why we're seeing these really high valuations i don't like to look at p ratio but i do think it's important to identify price to growth um, so this, so my actually favorite thing to look at when I evaluate a company is the PEG ratio or PEG. So this is price to earnings growth ratio. So this basically tells you, um, basically uh, a rating of one. I, I look at this on Zax.com. So, or I don't know if it's Zax.com. Yeah, it's Zax.com. Um, this is a website that allows you to basically look at the fundamentals behind a company for free. Um, so you can look at a company, um, that uh you know it'll tell you what the stock price is at it'll tell you the the 52 week lows the 52 weeks highs it'll tell you uh the expected earning per year the expected growth per year and uh you know the market cap and a, bu a bunch of different information that can allow you to 
um, basically evaluate a company. So I don't like to look at PE ratio. I think it's somewhat useful, especially if it's on the low side of a PE ratio. I'm talking like 15 or lower. Um, then it's something that could be somewhat of a valuable metric. Um, but I think the most important thing uh, that is dominating this market right now is just earnings, right? And that's not necessarily the case, right? Like Disney is, has lost money this year, uh, but their price just hit an all-time high because um, people are forecasting that when the parks reopen and Disney Plus is going on, that it's going to be a very valuable company because you have a big media company and you also have, um, you know, the, the revenue from the parks and stuff. So um, what I like to evaluate is the price the PEG ratio. So this um, this tells you if it's rated a one, that is um, basically saying uh, that it is fairly valued. Um, the price of the stock is fairly valued in relation to the growth of their earnings. Uh, when it's trading below a one, that's telling you that in relation to earnings that the price is actually cheap. And if it's over a one, then that's telling you that it's a little bit overvalued. If you see two, three, five, I think Tesla's at like an eight, then that's going to tell you like, hey, maybe you should stay away from this sort of thing. So I think this is probably one of the most important uh, metrics that you can use when you're evaluating whether you want to buy a company because... Um, I think this market right now is entirely dominated by growth of earnings because right now the market I think is very forward looking and the thing that really drives a stock price higher is going to be its its earnings, right? The profitability of the company. Nobody wants to own a company that was suddenly profitable and now is very unprofitable, right? That's going to send the stock down. Nobody wants to own a company that is declining um, its revenue, right? People want to buy companies that are continuously growing their earnings, and the best, the blue chip stocks are the ones that have been able to do that consistently for decades. Um, so an example I want to give, this is something that I recently added to my portfolio a couple weeks ago, is Rocket Mortgage, okay? So I'm going to give you my quick little thesis of why I invest in Rocket Mortgage. Um, the first thing I always have to say um, before I even look at the balance sheet of a company or its earnings is I have to be, I have to believe that this is a company that has an impact on people. Okay, this this is a company that I think is important. This is a company that I think people will recognize, and this is a company that I feel, according to its financials, is quote unquote undervalued. Um, so when I think of Rocket Mortgage, uh, the first thing that I think of is when I try to watch a golf tournament. When I try to watch a golf tournament, you cannot go 15 minutes without a Rocket Mortgage ad. Same thing for most sporting events, right? They're targeting people who own their own home, who are um, more likely high net worth individual, not high net worth, but usually like middle to upper middle class people who can afford to own their home, right? Because they're a mortgage company and they want to advertise to people um, that are basically watching those sports whether it be a golf tournament uh, or a football game and so when i think of rock when i think of mortgage the first company i think of is rocky mortgage i don't think of fannie mae or penny mac or sally mae or whatever all these mays and mac companies are um but i think of rocket mortgage whenever i hear the word mortgage just because i've seen their advertisements so much um so i was thinking about that the other day and I also saw that the company was trading at $20 a share. And I was like, why is that? I was like, obviously, they have a lot of shares. So the price of the stock is cheap. Um, I had that initial thought with Palantir. I thought the stock was so cheap that I feel like people are going to start buying this. I remember I texted my friend on October 7th. I was like, I really like Palantir here um, when it was trading at like $10 a share. Uh, I ended up buying shares, but I sold them too early. And the rest is history. Um, 
Uh, that was in my trading account, though. Obviously, I don't I don't touch my long term investing account. Um, but this was for my long term investing account. So I took a look on Zacks.com, and um, I'm going to give you some of the numbers here. So Rocket Mortgage, uh, they're expected to profit three dollars and seventy eight cents a share, um, and the stock price is currently trading at um, nineteen sixty three. So if we're talking price to earnings here. Uh, the stock's trading at about a 5.2 P.E. ratio, which if you look at P.E. ratios is uh, quote unquote undervalued. Uh, but I also saw that they are expected to grow their earnings per share about 10% over the next three to five years. And their P.E.G. ratio is 0.52. So what does that tell me? That tells me that um, by traditional metrics, uh, given the profitability of the company, uh, this thing is severely undervalued. I also had the thought, the thesis behind it, that I see this. There are advertisements everywhere. I know that if I were going to have a mortgage, I would probably look on Rocket Mortgage first because I just, um, you know, I think of their advertisements. Um, they also, um, you know, obviously to have three dollars and seventy-eight cents uh, a share profitability over the course of the year tells me that it's a very profitable company. Um, and that they uh, obviously have a product that isn't going anywhere. So to me, this was a great buy. I'm not recommending this to anybody. None of this is financial advice, but I'm just giving you an example of the decision-making that I use when it comes to me because I don't invest in in high-growth stocks. Um, I do have a trading account that makes up about um, 10% of my net worth uh, just because I, I like enjoying and um, trading and I like the challenge behind it. Um, but 90% of my money is in long-term investing and which I will not touch until I'm like 60 or 65 years old. Um, but this is just an example that I want to use to highlight the difference between a growth and a value stock. Um, so that's an, ex in my opinion, that's an example of a value stock. Uh, Rocket did shoot up a lot, uh, after its IPO. Um, but obviously it has come back down to earth and I think it's trading at too cheap of a valuation. I think the same thing is happening with Palantir where you have a lot of institutions that are loading up down here and then eventually it'll lift off. Um, traditional metrics would tell me that, um, you know, the typical average PE ratio, the market is between a 15 and a 25, uh, PE ratio. So that tells me if Rock is trading at a five, uh, in order for it to get to a 15, uh, the value of the company would need to triple. So, uh, you know, I basically went in with this idea of that, okay, this is a company that sticks with me. This is a company that is highly profitable, and this company has a product that isn't going anywhere. So to me, I think the company could triple. I don't know when it's going to triple, but I think it can. So I bought it, right? And and that's, that's important to recognize because it's not just about... Um, you know, buying a company that you that you like, right? Like you you can love Tesla as much as you want, but if you're paying uh, $900 for every dollar of profitability, uh, I don't care how much you like Tesla, it's probably not going to be a great investment in the next five to ten years. Just saying, um, at least at least for and at least until um, they become more profitable. Which, if you saw in the news, uh, Musk sent out a um, letter to people in his company that said if we don't reduce the costs right because obviously not a ton of people are buying cars right now but and uh tesla is becoming profitable and that's what investors are basically banking on right tesla being a very highly profitable company um and he's asking people to do the best that they can to reduce their costs because they can't grow their profitability and if not their stock will get crushed like a souffle under a sledgehammer uh, obviously, Elon has said some bad things about the company um, or critical things about the company before, and it's worked out um, very opposite. 
but I just want to give you some examples here of um, of Tesla's uh, valuations. So Tesla is expecting to grow their earnings about 33% over the next a year for the next three to five years. And obviously that high growth in earnings potential is what is pushing this stock so high. Um, currently it's trading at a 275 uh, PE. So currently right now, uh, they are expected to uh, post a profit of $2.18 per share. Um, and that's where that PE ratio comes from because Tesla right now is currently trading at $599. If you're posting a profit of $2.18 a share, it works out to about a 275 PE. Um, and then right now, price to earnings growth is 8.36. Just to remind you all, one is fair value for price to earnings growth. Over one is overvalued. Under one is undervalued. So this is a company right now that a lot of people are kind of FOMOing into. I don't think it's going to end up well for them. It could end up very well for them for the next couple years. I don't know when it's going to, um, you know, I, and I could be totally wrong about this. I just think in the long term, um, you know, we're talking 30, 40 years from now. I don't think Tesla is going to be trading at an evaluation this high unless their profitability can match the evaluation, right? So this is something that I would analyze that this is probably a company that's overvalued. Yes, they're growing their earnings a lot, and that's what's pushing the stock higher, and that's great for people that got in early. But for the people that are getting in now, they're paying a really high price for the amount of profitability that they're getting. Um, whereas example, right now, Rocket Mortgage trading at $19 a share, yet the company is uh, is posting almost double the amount of profits per share than a $600 per share company, right? That's that's a basically an example that you're getting here. So the idea is people that are investing in growth stocks are focused on that earning per share growth of 33% a year, right? That's going to be a high beta um, company that's going to be very volatile and it's going to be great for their trading. But if we're talking about investing, which should be the focus of most people listening to this podcast, this is a very expensive price to pay for a company. And that's basically what value investing is. You're trying to find companies that have a great product, that are very profitable, and that are going to be along for the long run, right? Tesla may be the best company this decade. And it might go up, you know, tenfold from where it's at right now. I have no idea. But I can tell you right now that I don't want to be on the other side of that. And I don't want to be paying the premium that I'm paying to or to pay for a company that, um, you know, is making me pay basically um, about $275 for every dollar of profitability that the company makes. So I hope this episode was somewhat interesting to you. I tried my best to define a little bit how growth stocks move, how they're different from value stocks, why value stocks should be the ones that most people are focusing on, and um, how you can, what kind of metrics you can look at to decide if a company is right for you. Um, I think the number one f- important thing is that you understand the company, right? There's a bunch of companies out there that are doing SAAS and all this cloud service, and you have all these people talking about a mumbo jumbo wumbo, uh, and it look, uh, you know, the hydrogen fuel cell high generator, blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm like, I don't understand what that means, right? I can understand a company that does mortgages. I can understand a company that sells, uh, you know, like Google, that's a search engine. Those are very companies that I can understand. And those are also companies that are very profitable. And those are companies that are valued uh, either cheap or fair, right? So that's exactly what I think most people should be focusing on, not tracing these companies that you know, are basically going to the moon or whatever you want to call it, or that are trading at really high valuations. Um, That may work in the short term, but it most likely will not work in the long term. So I highly encourage 
um, everybody that's out there right now that might be feeling the FOMO of Palantir and Tesla and Neo and Zoom and all these companies that they're great for trading, right? Because they're super volatile. But when it comes to your actual long-term investing, which most people should be focusing on, because all these people that are quote unquote making a lot of money in the options market, um, you know, for every one person that makes a lot of money, there's a thousand people that are losing a lot of money. And what these people are going to realize later on in their life is that they're going to be, they would be much better off had they found companies that are trading at good valuations that aren't growing as, as fast, but that are going to be sustainable and that um, won't ever force them to sell their shares because something in the company changed. So I hope this was interesting. If, if it was, like I said, I would really appreciate a uh, subscription to the podcast, uh, leaving a five-star review and uh, tell me something that you liked or some criticism about the podcast. Uh, and also I would encourage if you feel that anybody needs to hear this, uh, go ahead and share with them. And you can follow me on Instagram at the race rat podcast for other um, investing related content. So thank you all so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to another kick-ass episode of the Race Rat Podcast. Make sure to leave an awesome review and follow us on social media if you enjoyed. Now get off your phone because it's time to work.